0: Anecdotal evidence from across Australia suggests that Christmas beetle numbers are in decline. Despite scores of Australians saying they haven't been seeing the beetle in as many numbers over the past few years, there's currently no long-term population data to draw on. The Christmas Beetle Count Project is looking to change that. So this citizen science project is led by Invertebrates Australia in collaboration with the University of Sydney and encourages members of the public to submit their sightings of Christmas beetles to the online database iNaturalist. Today I'm talking with Dr. Tanya Latti, an associate professor from the University of Sydney and co-founder of the conservation organization Invertebrates Australia. So thank you so much for joining us today, Tanya.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: So I saw on your University of Sydney profile that you researched swarm intelligence, actually, which is really cool, and the behaviour of Australian native bees. So what interested you about Christmas beetles?
1: So I moved to Australia about 15 years ago from Canada and as soon as I got here, I got here around November and people kept telling me, oh, you're going to love it. At Christmas time, all of these beautiful, shiny, giant beetles are going to arrive and it's going to be wonderful. And I was super excited because what's cooler than having a Christmas celebration that includes beetles? I mean, that's great. Um, Unfortunately, in the 15 years I've been here, I've seen maybe a handful Mm -hmm. of Christmas beetles and... People keep telling me that, yeah, no, there used to be heaps and something has changed. And, you know, if one person tells you that they have memories of there being lots of Christmas beetles in the past and fewer now, you think, well, our memories are fallible. You know, often we remember things as being bigger or more abundant when we were children than they are now. But it is such a universal memory across almost everyone I talk to who's been. Sort of in the same place for thirty-ish years, will have told me that there's been a decline, and when you see that kind of consistency, it makes you worry. So, I thought was okay. Let's find out what's going on. And when we started um, Invertebrates Australia, we thought it would be a great project because, you know, Christmas beetles are, you know, they're kind of a gateway beetle. Everybody kind of loves them. They're they're harmless. They're beautiful. They're associated with this cultural tradition that we have of, you know, Christmas beetles and Christmas. Um, But we realized that there had been no long-term population numbers that had been taken. And so we actually don't know for sure that they've declined. We can't say officially that that's the case because we don't have the numbers to support it. And so we thought, well, this is a perfect project for community science to get the public to help us because we don't have the person powered across the country looking for, you know, these 36 different species of Christmas beetles. But we can ask people to be our eyes on the ground.
0: Yeah, because, you know, I remember... Having seeing them everywhere as a kid as well. And nearly everyone I've spoken to has agreed that they've been seen less and less over the years. And I think the last one I saw might've been in 2021 and it was quite large as well. How come this isn't enough to definitively say that they're declining?
1: Yeah. So from a scientific perspective, if you want to demonstrate that an organism or anything is going into decline, what you need is to take measurements from preferably the same place the same way the same time year to year over a long period the reason you need to do that there's a couple one is that insect populations are naturally kind of up and down so seeing fewer one year doesn't necessarily mean it's an actual sustained decline it could just be a bad year for them similarly when you get a high year it doesn't mean that things are coming back it could just be that particular year so you need consistent data the other problem is again, our memories are not always great. We don't know for sure if what people say they remember as Christmas beetles are actually Christmas beetles. They may have been some other insect that they were told was a Christmas beetle that isn't really. Um, and again, our you know when we remember things from our childhood, I remember all sorts of things I'm pretty sure it never <laughs> happened. So <laughs> you know it's really hard to figure out whether those memories um, are accurate. The other problem is because there are these thirty-six different types or species of Christmas beetle. You know across the country it's entirely possible that some species in some places are doing fine whereas other species in other places are in trouble uh, and that's very hard to pick out from people's memories because most people wouldn't be able to tell you which species of christmas beetle they saw i might not even if i was thinking back to 10 years ago i wouldn't have been able to tell you what species I saw. So for those reasons, we we can't just use people's memories to, to show that decline.
0: And so because we don't have this population data, we can't really consider them as endangered, can we?
1: Exactly. And not only that, we can't even start to think about what we should do from a conservation perspective, because officially there's not, there's no decline. There's no evidence, official evidence of a decline. Um, the other problem is it turns out we know very little about most beetle species and what they need in terms of how sensitive they are to climate change or how sensitive they are to habitat clearing. Um, we have ideas, but we don't know the specifics. So without data, I can't even really tell people specifically what the best action to protect Christmas beetles would be
0: because we don't know. Because, yeah, when we were first talking, you said you were going out to look for them in the bush. You know, did, did you actually find mm-hmm. any? Yeah, we found one. <laughs> we found one.
1: So we've been going out for the last month or so sampling Christmas beetles. So in addition to having the community science data... We're also sampling around Sydney to look at whether uh, urbanization is having an impact. So we sample in the inner city, sort of the suburban suburban area, and then in the bush. Um, we haven't been finding many Christmas beetles. I think the most we ever had in one night was eight, which was, we were so excited, <laughs> jumping around. Like, We've got two species and eight, eight individuals this is great. Most nights we either get none or one. So they're, they're certainly not in high numbers. Um, it doesn't seem to be the case, at least in, in and around Sydney you know whether there's pockets of places and that's something we've also noticed is that when we get a lot we get a lot um so our, i suspect there's some patches that are really good for them but we don't know why like what it is about those particular patches that has allowed them to do well whereas most of the rest of the city we haven't really seen very much
0: what sort of places do they do they like usually like their their favorite habitat We we don't really know
1: We don't. And that's the thing. We have ideas. So we know the adults, we think, mostly feed on gum trees. Although even from the community science data, we're starting to think they might feed on some slightly different trees as well. We don't know. Um, But the larvae, so Christmas beetle, the form we see around Christmas is the adult. That is a full-grown beetle. Um, And those insects, beetles in general, go through complete metamorphosis. So that means that the larvae, the babies, look nothing Mm -hmm. like the adult. They're these big, chunky, white um, larvae with these beautiful little red head, red or brownish heads. They're often called curl grubs. You may have seen them in your garden or at least something similar. Unfortunately, of the like 2000 species of scarab, which is the bigger group Christmas beetles belong to, all the larvae are pretty much identical. So it's really hard when you pull a grub out of your garden to go, oh, Christmas beetle versus, you know, fiddler beetle or some other type of, of beetle. Um The issue is that we don't really know what those Christmas beetle larvae are feeding on in the soil. Um, They could be feeding on particular plant roots. They could be feeding on just um, decaying organic matter. They could be feeding on um, decaying wood. Uh, And depending on that very specific feeding requirement, that changes where they might be happy living. Uh, um, I'm even starting to suspect that some species have very different larval feeding needs than other species of Christmas beetle and that might explain partly why there are some species we currently see in the city quite a lot and some we're only seeing in like much bushier habitat.
0: What challenges do we have now that we're you know only just now starting to look at the population? It's, it's much harder to get this data when there's not as many isn't there?
1: Exactly if Ideally, we'd have a time machine and we could go back 40 years (laughs) and start because we don't even know what normal is. That's the problem. We don't know what the number of Christmas beetles per species should be. Um, And so, again, it's hard to know if there's a decline. We have no idea how catastrophic that decline is. It seems like it was probably pretty bad from what people describe and from what we can get out of like archival newspapers and things. But again, those are not we don't know. Um, It also means you say because we can't get good numbers it's going to take us more years of sampling before we have enough data to be able to look at those sorts of patterns and say, okay, this species is clearly sensitive to urbanization and, and this species isn't. And then for determining the larval diet, to do that, you need larva. <laughs> um, and right now we don't have enough of any species that we've caught in enough numbers that we can try breeding them to then you know, look at what the larvae would prefer to eat. So yeah, it, it's really difficult. I think the scary thing for me is that Christmas beetles are probably the easiest of the insects to work with from a conservation perspective because they're big, people like them, You know, they're relatively easy to photograph so we can ask people to submit sightings. What worries me is that you know there are so many other insects that may have gone similarly had a decline or had problems, but they were too small or too inconspicuous for us to know. So the Christmas beetles are kind of the canary in the coal mine,
0: I suspect. How do we you know we've got the i naturalist we've got this conservation project that, that you're working on how do we get people more involved in it
1: <laughs> yeah i think spreading the word, so just talking to your friends and telling them about how awesome christmas beetles are and how how unique they are! I mean, we talk often about you know koalas and kangaroos and platypuses being like our animals. Well, so are Christmas beetles. <laughs> Almost all the Christmas beetles are only found in Australia, so they're they're our beetles. You know, they're part of our shared natural heritage, and that alone should be something that makes us want to protect them. Um, So telling people about that, just getting people to keep their eyes out, uh, open to see if they see Christmas beetles. Um, Joining the project on iNaturalist is great if you want to get updates. And we also have mailing lists, so people can just Google Christmas beetle count, um, and you should be able to find links to our mailing lists and to our project. Uh, Submitting sightings, obviously, if you see a Christmas beetle, please, please, please submit it. Uh, Even if you're not sure if it's a Christmas beetle, that's fine, because the app we're using is called iNaturalist. And it's actually a global biodiversity website. So it's not specific for Christmas beetles. Um, once you take a photo and upload it to iNaturalist, iNaturalist runs an algorithm that will try to identify your sighting. It's gotten really good at picking out Christmas beetles from other types of beetles. So you don't even have to know for sure it's a Christmas beetle. The algorithm will give you suggestions. Uh, and then that's it. Once it's uploaded, it's our project is set up that any Christmas beetle sighting anywhere that gets submitted um whether or not they tag us will automatically be pulled into the project Um, having said that if you see some other interesting insect submit it too (laughs) you know it won't go into our project but we desperately need more information about our insect biodiversity and we we don't have the p There are not enough entomologists in this country to do it Um, Like Just for context, 80% of our invertebrate species, so animals without backbones, like insects, have no names yet. We don't even have a scientific name. They haven't been officially described. So we are so on the back foot um, for insect and invertebrate conservation in general.
0: And they're very much like the base stone of the whole food web. You know, if, if they're gone, everything else topples.
1: No, they're literally almost everything. So 95, 95% of animals are invertebrates. So things like mammals and birds and reptiles, which get all the attention, are a tiny fraction of animal animal life. You can't say you're an animal lover unless you love invertebrates, because on average, everything's an invertebrate, basically. So, yeah, just, I guess submitting those sightings is really helpful for for a lot of different species including the Christmas beetles. You can also do things around your home, uh, your property, whatever you have to help Um, really important in home gardens to try as best you can to not use insecticides. And I know it's hard. I love gardening. I have a beautiful garden. Um, I know it hurts when you lose plants to insects, but at the end of the day, most of us gardening in our homes are not doing it as part of our livelihood. We're not, we're not dependent on that food to survive. It's a hobby and maybe a hobby we love, but it's still a hobby. Um, And I think we do need to take that step back and ask what should our hobby cost? Because right now it's costing us, huge numbers of species if we don't take those steps. And so there are lots of different techniques you can use to try to reduce your insecticide use. And look, you might, you may lose some plants. I can't guarantee you that you won't lose something, but that's part of the process, right? We're gardening in an ecosystem. Uh, And usually when we stop using those broad spectrums, we'll get more predatory insects coming in, which can help to maintain of a stable a more stable balance than once we start using insecticides and we knock out the predators and our problems just snowball so you know reducing that insecticide use you know is, is pretty important for our home gardens
0: yeah for sure you know we have to look after look after these species and I've just noticed that you're wearing a Christmas beetle shirt as well which I love so much it's uh no it's really cool <laughs> thank you I quite like this shirt yeah. too <laughs> Well, thank you so much for, for coming on it and sharing about Christmas beetles. I hope this has really inspired some people to go out there and, and download iNaturalist and share their stories of, you know, waking up in the middle of the night and there's a hundred <laughs> of them hitting the window or picking one up out of a birdbath or something and just, yeah, really getting involved. I think it's really great to have more citizen science projects like
1: this. Yeah, and then this is really, I think, the golden age for it. Like, their phones are good enough now that we can get the pictures. We've got apps that make it really easy. So, um, and just to really point out, like, this isn't just this. The pictures you take don't just go into nowhere. They can be really valuable. So from last year, we had four observers submit sightings of Christmas beetle spece- species that hadn't been seen in decades. Um, one of them was the first live picture ever of that species. The only other specimen had been a dead one. So you can have pretty remarkable discoveries without even really knowing it just by taking these pictures or yeah, it's, it's well
0: worth it. <laughs> yeah. And for people who do want to go out and, and have a look and try and actually find any, you know, what would you recommend to look out for and be aware of while doing that?
1: Yeah, so if you're out during the daytime, they're, they're nocturnal, so they're really mostly flying around at night, but they're terribly clumsy. So often you'll find them on like footpaths or just kind of by the side of the road on their little backs. You know. um, so just kind of look down during the day. I think you'll find a bunch just kind of hanging around. Um, it's kind of sad, but if you do see a dead one, you can still submit that as a sighting. They don't live that long as adults, so um, we can still identify them, though, which is still useful. Uh, if you're at night, look around lights because they are attracted to light. That's how we sample them at night. We put up big tents with a bright UV light and then we catch them and mark them and let them go when we catch them that way. So keeping around porch lights and things, uh, also a good place to see them.
0: Yeah. And is there anything to look out for? Like I know there's the, around Armadale for sure, we've, we've had a lot of really tiny ones that people are thinking are are baby Christmas beetles, but they're, you know, I think they're actually called nectar scarabs. And you mentioned in one of your articles that Argentinian scarabs are being mistaken for Christmas beetles. So how do we tell them apart?
1: Yeah. So Christmas beetles in general, not always, but most of the species are quite big. Like you, you see them coming and you go, whoa, that's a big beetle. Like they're, they're, they're fairly sizable. Um, there's no such thing as a baby beetle that looks like a beetle because a baby beetle is a larva. It doesn't look anything like the adult. Um, the things I look for, um, Christmas beetles tend to have sort of a rounder, very kind of clumsy body shape. They're just they're so cute, adorable. They have this little scoop sna- scoop shaped face or schnoz, my friend calls it. So it kind of <laughs> yeah. looks like they've got a little duck bill. You know? um, and then their back legs tend to be quite thick. Um, like I always, I joke that they're like a beetle that's never skipped leg day. Like they've got big, <laughs> thick back legs compared to the rest of them. Whereas if you look at something like the nectar scarabs or the Argentinian scarabs, they've got quite skinny, almost dangly legs. Um, Really, the easiest thing to do is just look at a couple of pictures of Christmas beetles because once you get your eye in, it's relatively easy to start picking them apart. Um, but again, don't worry if you're not sure because iNaturalist is pretty good at distinguishing Christmas beetles from other things or you, know, you can always use the app to get a sense of what you have while you're learning. And then even once you upload it, we have a whole team of volunteers who are very good about going through and correcting sightings. So um, you'll get more feedback eventually about what you've got, even if it wasn't a Christmas beetle. Yeah.
0: So what is you know, your hope for the future of this project? How long do you think it will take to get this data?
1: <laughs> uh, I think this project's going to have a couple of different milestones. I think after this year, we hit 9,000 sightings a couple of days ago, oh, wow. which is incredible. I know, I'm, so, I'm just so so thrilled. Like People have really gotten on board in such an amazing way. Um, and that data is going to allow us to at least start to look for patterns, um, with the Christmas beetles and different forms of land change. So we can look at the impact of urbanization. We can look at the impact of agriculture. Um, those sorts of questions, at least for the three or four most common species, we have enough data to look at that now, which is awesome. Um, down the track, what we're hoping is that we get more data, especially for those rarer species, because right now some of them are represented by like two sightings ever. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to really know whether those species are actually confined to a small area. Because if they are, they will be at extreme risk of extinction because anything that only occurs in a small area, it's one bushfire away um, from being wiped out. So those are the species we're really going to be targeting and potentially going to sample directly because um, if that proves to be true, then those will be ones we'll put up for listing um, as threatened species because they are in such a small area. Um, And we'll probably have enough data to do that in the next year or two. Uh, And then further down the track, once we start making this hopefully an annual thing we'll start to be able to see patterns like if there's a general decrease are population stable um and how seasonality weather conditions are influencing the amount we get from year to year so we'll start to get a lot more data about that as well so our, it's a surprisingly photos are a really rich source of data because often people take pictures of them feeding on plants and we can go great that's a gum tree oh hey that's something different than we've seen before um so yeah we can get a lot of information from this and it's really going to be, I think, the um, the basis of everything we do from here on will be this data.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. And once again, for people who do want to get involved, you can do it through iNaturalist, which is really easy. And I think it does plants as well. And it does a whole range of, of different different things out in nature.
1: Yeah, it does everything. I, I love iNaturalist. I just walk around photographing yeah. all the cool stuff I see and uploading yeah. it.
0: That's <laughs> no, fantastic. Thank you so much for, for coming on and chatting to us. And thank you for the work you're doing as well. You know, oh, we re- you. we really do need people out there who are championing the the small critters like this, especially you know the ones that people overlook a lot. So, yeah, thank you for both, and thanks for coming on.
1: Oh, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, it's it's been fantastic.
1: Yay.